Amen. So thankful for the opportunity to sing with people. I sing a lot in my house or in my car or in my office by myself, but to join uh, with the worship team just serving us well so we could join our voices together. Thanks for, thanks for singing. That's an encouragement to my heart uh, just to hear that happening. Uh, some guests with us this morning. My name's uh, Jeremy, and I get to be one of the pastors along with Pastor Nick, and, and really just a, a privilege. God has put together a church here in Iowa Falls that is diverse in age. That's one of the things I'm thankful for. We're not like a young church or an old church. We're a church with people of all different kinds of ages. We did some quick analysis and found that 35% of our church are are people that are 18 and under. So that's 35% of our church. 65 then percent of our church is, is people that we call adults or sometimes called grown-ups. And God's intention with us as individuals, even in our bodies, is we are intended to grow up over time. Uh, we come into the world with a very tiny body, and that body is supposed to grow. In our first year of life, I just looked this up. There's a picture of cute Jeremy. Uh, that was the last time I was cute, I think. Uh, but, but there's me at birth, and there's me at my first birthday. And I've read that what happens between, uh, in most children, developing normally uh, over that first year, they'll grow almost a foot in length and triple their body weight uh, over their first year of life. If you don't believe me, check out Zechariah Barrick and, uh, and Henry Dykema, right? They're just about to turn a year, and they're big. Uh, and so, uh, by God's grace, he designed our bodies to grow, and they do that. Growth continues throughout childhood, and then there's that awkward spurt of growth that comes around puberty. This one feels more abrupt and awkward. Uh, suddenly, your clothes don't fit. There's some pictures there of me as well, and you can tell. Look at that picture of me playing basketball, and in that picture, you might notice, like, man, that guy's feet are big, his head is big, and his arms are long, and the rest of him still needs to grow up a little bit, uh, and that's definitely the way I felt during those years as well. Well, as our church body grows in size, we can expect also some awkward times. Uh, There's a change in how things are done, and it might sometimes feel uncomfortable. Like a kid going through puberty outgrows his clothes, we're kind of outgrowing our church building. So it's our desire to kind of like check into, which we've had some people do over the last uh, number of months really now. Uh, And we hope to now have a building edition design finalized and out for bids this month. But just as is the case with a teenager growing up, our desire is not just that they would grow in size, but also grow in maturity, right? That's one of the goals, and that's what we've been focusing on to start out the year now. Uh, Before we jump next week, we're jumping right back into where we left off in Luke, going through that verse by verse. I'm looking forward to that, but it's been good to start the year by looking at the way in which Jesus is building something. In, In his church, we are, in fact, Christ's building project. So, uh, here's what we've done so far. This is the last week of this series. Week one, we, t- we touched on this. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, we are to be a church that is built on prayer and growing in strength for his glory. Week number two, we covered Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. W- the church is being built. The church that Christ is building is being built with people. We're growing through equipping and working. Right? So, so those that are called shepherds and teachers are equipping the saints to do the works of ministry. And as those are being done, the church is growing. 
and we're growing toward maturity in Christ. Week three, last week, we talked about Ephesians 4, 13 to 14, the necessity of the church being built on truth and growing in unity, knowledge, and maturity, recognizing that this is all happening in the midst of a world that is extremely confused about the truth. And it's easy for us to be carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And that's where we left off last week. Now today, we end the series picking up it by doing the next two verses, verses 15 and 16, built in love and growing together into Christ. Here's the, here's the big idea today. The church is built when we grow up together as one body in love into the head into Christ. That's where we're, go- we're going today. So if you're able to, would you stand as we read the Word of God? Let me pray first, and then we'll dive into reading Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. Let's pray. God, we, we need to be built up, not just individually, but together. And, and you are at work doing that by your Spirit And so we pray that that you would use the preaching of your word to do that work of building us up now. That we would would be convicted where we need to be convicted and encouraged where we need to be encouraged. And so for our good and the good of those around us and for your glory, would you work in this and through me even now uh, as we look at your word, we read your word and hear it preached. In Jesus' name, amen. So, two verses today, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, God's word says this, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, As usual, inside your bulletin, there is a sermon notes guide. comes with our life group guide uh, as well. And so that's right in there if that's helpful for you as you follow along. Uh, Just breaking it down, rather than kind of just going along with the structure of the text, since it's only two verses we're looking at today, I just want to draw out so we can see clearly, I think, what God intends for us to see in this passage. The first is, a whole bunch of these two verses is built on an analogy or an illustration. And in the Bible, trying to describe the relationship between Jesus and his church, a few different illustrations or analogies are used. Sometimes Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride, right? That's that's a common analogy. Sometimes it's Jesus as the builder or as the cornerstone and the church as the building. But in this passage, it's one that is maybe one of the most common analogies used in the Bible, and it's used again here. So I just want to make sure before we move on that we're seeing that there's an analogy here, right? And the analogy is pretty simple. That there is a head and there is a body. And in this analogy, Jesus is the head and the church is the body. Okay, so that's how the analogy works. Let's see it right here in the text. If you notice what we are as the church, you'll see it two times in verse 16. In verse 16, it talks about the whole body 
being joined and held together. You see that there at the beginning of verse 16. And then later, at the end of verse 16, it speaks of making the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so, so there's where we see the body that he's referring to there in verse 16 is the church. The church is the body. And the, the head is Christ, Jesus, the Messiah. We see that in verse 15. Verse 15 ends by saying, we're growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. The head, by the way, is the one who rules and the one who has authority. Just like in our body, our body does what it does because our head, our brain, tells it to do those things, right? So, so Jesus is the head, the authority, the one who rules over his body, the church. So, so the analogy we, we get, relatively simple. I want to just, this is too beautiful to pass up. Because we're not preaching through the whole book, we're missing some awesome stuff. Just turn back a page or two in your Bible to Ephesians 1, 22 to 30. Sorry, not 22 to 30, 22 to 23, where it says this. This is speaking of he, God the Father, put all things under his feet and gave him, that is Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all all in all. This is a beautiful picture. Jesus so identifies with his church. He is clearly above us as our head, but he so identifies with his people, those he has called to himself, those who trust in Christ by faith are part of the body of Christ. That's a pretty astounding uh, thing to be called, and it is what is true. So, I just wanted to make sure we got the analogy before we move on and understand how everything here fits together. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. Okay. But just as our bodies uh, have certain parts and, and, and are put together in a way to do something, right? Our, our, de- our bodies are designed with purpose, and we're able to do a number of different things. There's a purpose. So, too, the body of Christ is put together And there is a purpose. So what is that? What is the aim? That's what we're going to look at next. Why do, if if we're kind of like zooming out and looking at the, the passages we've looked at the last couple of weeks, we saw that there are shepherds or pastors and teachers that are to equip the saints to do the works of ministry. Why do pastors do that? Why do Why do the saints, those who are in the church, why do they do work? Why do we do those things? Why is it so important that we come together with a unity of the faith, that we hold together in sound doctrine? Why is it so important that we have unity of the knowledge of the Son of God? All of these things that we've talked about, why are we doing those things? And the answer is, we are doing those things in order that we can grow up in every way into Christ. So, where do we see that in the text? Let's look at the text again. Verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we'll get to that in a moment, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So so what is the main goal? If you're looking at the center of of these couple of verses, the center of the verses is, here's what the aim is, here's the purpose. The purpose is that the church would grow up in every way into Christ. That's God's plan. That's his purpose. Just like it's a good thing for a baby to grow physically 
in his or her first year. It is good for the church to grow. That's what we see also. It's not just in verse 15. We see it also in verse 16, where it says, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And like I said earlier, when we're thinking about growth of a human body, whether that be a baby or a teenager, the desire is not just that that body would grow up physically, but that body would grow up in maturity in a number of different ways. Growing up with some emotional maturity, some physical maturity, yes, but also maturity in a number of other relational maturity. Right? Uh, little little one-year-olds don't pick up on too many social cues, right? They can get away with things that we can't get away with, but we expect as, as a body grows and matures and develops, there's going to be some things that just also develop as well in maturity. Just like we saw last week, the standard is Christ. Remember last week, we are to grow to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the standard. And like we talked about last week, none of us are there yet. So we are growing up together as one body, together in Christ, into Christ, who is the head, who is the perfect standard. So uh, that's that's the aim. That's what's happening uh, And that's why we do what we do, that the body might grow up together in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Growing up, building itself up in love. So we've got the analogy, we've got the aim, and then we've got everything else that's in these two verses. And I would put together all of these other things in these verses and and say, these are referring to the, okay, how's it going to happen? Okay, if, if Christ is the head, the church is the body, and the aim is that the body would grow up together uh, as one, uh, how does that get done? Well, that's what we see in the rest of the phrases here in these two verses. I see four things. One, it happens when the church speaks the truth in love. The body is going to grow and mature as as we, the church, speak the truth in love. Do you see that there right at the very beginning, verse 15? Verse 15, again, starts this way. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Now, notice that word. It begins with rather, so it's contrasting this to what we had just seen at the end of the passage last week. And what we just saw at the end of the passage last week is there is this temptation uh, to kind of go along with the current current, to be deceived by doctrine that is destructive, right? That's what we saw last week. Remember, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried by every wind of doctrine, right? By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That's verse 14. And it's contrasting now in verse 15 with this. Rather, the church is committed to speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. Paul tells the church in Ephesus, if you want to be growing toward maturity in Christ, then you must speak the truth. Don't fall into false teaching, but instead speak what is true. And then he gives us a little tag there, in love. Right? Speak the truth in love. The church in Ephesus is not going to grow to maturity 
and win other pagans in Ephesus to Christ by being bold and crass and making it their main aim to win an argument, right? That's not what they're primarily there to do. They are to speak the truth, yes, but they are to speak the truth in love. So that's how it happens, number one. How it happens, number two. It happens when the church is joined and held together. How is the body of Christ to grow up together into Christ? It's going to happen when we are committed to being joined and held together. You see that there in verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Remember that in Ephesus, the people that Paul is writing this letter to, Christians are in the minority. And many view them negatively. They're disrupting the economy and all kinds of other things uh, as they come to faith in Christ and they put away idols there in Ephesus. And so they're, they're, they're a small group and they're viewed negatively by the people around them. If the church in Ephesus cannot figure out how to stay united, if they decide as the little minority church there in Ephesus to start breaking off into little factions, each Christian trying to do it on their own, doing their own thing, they will be eaten alive there. And so it is necessary for them, if they are to grow up together toward maturity in Christ, that they are joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. I think really, in a sense, as I looked at that a little more deeply, it seems like those who are in those particular offices, like shepherds and teachers, are the ones who are kind of the the joints who are giving a lot of their work to helping the church hold together as one, teaching sound doctrine, unity of the faith, and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. If the church is going to grow in Ephesus, it's going to need to be joined and held together. The third thing is this. It happens when each part is working properly. That's also right there in verse 16. When each part is working properly. Even if the pastors and the teachers are primarily the joints that are overseeing and leading in such a way to protect the unity, if the saints aren't all together doing the works of ministry the church is not going to grow up together in Christ. It requires everybody, all of the members of the body, functioning and working together. And we know, like just from having a human body, using that same analogy, when one part is broken, that has effects on other parts of the body. Some of you have had an injury, and then as you've kind of compensated for that injury, you've actually caused another injury because that other part of your body had to do more work, right? Number four, it happens when the church is built up in love. That's how it ends there in verse 16. As the body grows, building itself up in love. Builds itself up in love. If you look back earlier, we didn't cover uh, verses 2 and 3 here in chapter 4, but look back into chapters, chapter 4 still, but verses 2 and 3 where it says this. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Growth in the church in Ephesus was only going to happen when the people are loving one another in that way. When the people are acknowledging, I've got selfish desires. 
and I am not a part of the body of Christ in order that my selfish desires can be met. And you know that this gets harder. You know this just from maybe living in a family. When times are tense and stress is high, it's harder to do these things. And if you were a Christian in Ephesus in the first century, life was stressful and hard. And so they have to hear this this command from God through Paul to tell them, you need to walk with all humility and gentleness. You need to walk with each other with patience. And then he even uses this phrase, bearing with one another in love. You're going to be offended by one another. You're going to be annoyed by one another. But if we are to press on in gospel work in Ephesus, it is going to require for the church to be united together, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So you see how important all of these things are as they come together. If the church is to grow to maturity, this is how it's going to happen. The church in Ephesus will be built when they grow up together as one body in love into the head who is Christ. So that's the message to the church in Ephesus. What's the message for us? Well, well really, the, the message for us is going to be very, very similar. Okay? Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually kind of do this in reverse, though. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, instead of here's five things that we need to be doing as a church or committing to as a church, I'm going to do kind of like the opposite. Like, here's five ways to stunt our growth as a church. Okay? Uh, did anybody else have parents or adults in your life when you were a kid that told you that if you drank coffee when you were a kid, it would stunt your growth? Anybody else? I see some people nodding. Okay. So like I didn't drink coffee as a kid because I like, I I would like, if I could like pour coffee on my feet and make my feet stop growing, I was like wearing a size 13 when I was about this tall in seventh grade. Right. So I wanted them to stop growing. I wanted to stunt the growth of my feet, but I wanted the rest of my body. So I didn't drink coffee. Okay. Here's some things that I think we could do. Like if we want to just stunt the growth that God is giving to our church, here's five things we could do. Here's five ways to stunt the growth of the church. Number one, we could just stop speaking the truth. Don't speak the truth. If we want to stunt our growth as a church, we should not speak the truth. When the culture, the in, in our culture, we talked about this last week, the current current Uh, is kind of taking all of us, right? In some way or another, we're affected by the current. We're in the river somewhere, and we want to. Here's the thing that we've committed to, though, as a church. As a church, we've recognized if, if there is kind of like the current of the culture going this way and the Bible taking us in a very different way, what would be the easiest thing to do is to go with the flow, right? That's always the easiest thing to do. It's, it's easier to go with the flow, right? And, and a number of churches and denominations have decided to do this in many ways. Rather than holding fast to the, 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 the faith once for all delivered to the saints, rather than holding fast to the scriptures, a number of churches and denominations have just decided to abandon biblical teaching on a variety of topics and just go along with every wind of doctrine and the way the current current is carrying Ironically, it's those churches and denominations in the U.S. that seem to be shrinking and not growing as a church. Right? So just an example of that, 
Okay, so so you, you like if you just watch the news, this is big news because it's one of the largest Protestant denominations in the United States is the United Methodist Church. But over the past years, leaders of that church in the United States have decided, here's the way the culture is going on gender and sexuality issues, and here's the way scriptures are going, and the leaders in that church have decided, we're going to go the way of culture. And so a number of people and churches, uh, whole churches have just said, well, we want to go with where the Bible's going, not with where culture is going on these issues. And so... This just kind of, they kind of had the final stats come in. From 2019 to 2023, 7,658 churches have left the United Methodist Church. That's about a quarter of all of the churches in that denomination have left over the course of 2019 to 2023. But we as a church are committed to speaking the truth, to contend for the faith once for all delivered to the saints, to say if culture is going this direction and the Bible is going this direction, we're going to be with what Scripture has to say, right? So on a number of different issues, that's the commitment that we have as a church. If the Bible says one thing and the culture says something else, we're going to hold fast to what the Bible says every single time. So if our growth is stunted, church, may it not be because we fail to speak the truth. Church, we will be a church committed to speaking the truth. But let's also recognize that that's not how the phrase ends. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love. So if we want to stunt our growth as a church, we can speak the truth and do it without love. If we want to stunt our growth as a church, we should make it our primary aim to win the culture war, whatever the cost. We should see those who disagree with us as our enemies and try to win them uh, by humiliating them with our superior arguments. Over the last decade or so, I would say that public discourse that is harsh and demeaning has become to be more and more applauded by the culture around us. You can win political victories by speaking in this way. And you can win media followers by speaking in this way. And you can actually grow your church in number by speaking this way. But we are committed as a church to not speak in this way, but to speak the truth in love. To be motivated not by a desire to win a war and beat down the enemies, but motivated instead by a willingness to lay down our lives in order that the lost might come to faith in Christ. We are to be a people who speak the truth and to do it in love. Number three, the central theme throughout the book of Ephesians that we've seen highlighted already in chapter four and just the few verses we've looked at is unity. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace is what we saw in verse 3. Last week we saw the unity of the faith and unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. We grow not separately, but together, right? This whole analogy is not just like you grow, you grow, you grow, you can do whatever you want, you grow. It's the church growing to maturity together. So, If we want to stunt our growth as a church, we could just start separating over secondary things. That would be a way to to stunt our growth. Um, I actually, uh, 
I didn't play football very long because of my uh, small stature. Um, but when I did play football in middle school, my body was still growing, and I broke a, I, I had a fracture in my left middle finger at the end of a bone in, in a growth plate. And so my left middle finger stopped growing, and my right one kept growing. So my right middle finger is longer than my left middle finger. It's my, it's my football injury story. Pretty tough, isn't it? Yeah, kids. Uh, no. Uh, so if we, but, but that just really illustrates the point. Like when there is a fracture, when there's growth still taking place and there is a fracture, there is a divide, there is a separation, it can stunt growth, right? So if we want to stunt our growth as a church, we should just start separating over secondary things. We should just make a really big deal of our preferences on the way things should be done, right? That would be a great way to stunt our growth as a church. Everybody just care a whole lot about your preferences and what the way you want things to be done. That would help stunt our growth. Or we could choose to avoid those who annoy us. Right? Or, or we could continue to hold grudges against somebody in the church. We know they're a brother or sister in Christ, but they said something once or they've done something a few times that's kind of offended us. And so we just kind of keep our distance because we just, we're not really like, we're not, we're not friends anymore. Right? Those are the kinds of things that if we commit to holding on to that, that can stunt the growth of the church. Instead, we are to be committed to unity. If our growth is stunted, church, may it not be because we chose to separate over secondary things. Ephesians 4.16 makes it clear. We will grow together as a body when we are joined and held together. Number four. The saints are to do the work of ministry in the church. And when this happens, the church grows. But if we want to stunt our growth, we should just let a few members do all the work. You also know this from having a body. If you don't exercise a muscle over time, that muscle becomes weak and it doesn't function right. This affects then, like we already talked about, the whole body. Likewise, if you are in the church, if you are in Christ, you trust in Jesus, you're a part of the church, but only as a consumer, and you're unwilling to be stretched and strengthened by using and exercising the gifts that God has given you to serve the church, the whole body is affected and growth is hindered. Those who are doing a lot of work then need to be reminded, we need to find ways to invite others into it. We're not going to be like complaining about it and just like leaving all the work aside. All right, somebody else can do it. I've done it long enough. No, we want to be people who recognize the body is going to function better if we are all, each part, working properly is the way it says it in verse 16. So so how do we invite other people in to, to serve alongside us and to use their gifts to serve the church? And if you're one who isn't exercising your gifts and using them in the church, I invite you. Again, ask me, ask Pastor Nick, ask somebody else, how can I serve the church? If our growth is stunted, may it not be because we have a few members doing all the work, because it is clear that we're called here to grow together as a body when each part is working properly and there's one final one the fifth one is this this one doesn't come so much from these two verses but from zooming out as we kind of close out this series now this is more coming from kind of zooming out at the series that we've been in and at the book of ephesians as a whole and it would be this if we want to stunt our growth we should forget the love of christ 
If we want to see our growth stunted as a church, we can do all kinds of things. Everybody's working, using their gifts. Everybody's loving each other. But if we forget the love of Christ, growth will be stunted. There is no way to grow up toward maturity in Christ if you forget the love of Christ. And so, again, zooming out, here's where we see this in the book of Ephesians. Right away at the beginning, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says this, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. What a beautiful picture. In love, he's calling us to himself, adopting us as his own with the full rights. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And so we see this theme. I didn't put this one up on the screen, but Ephesians 3, we covered it just a couple of weeks ago, where he's asking that God would give the church strength to comprehend the love of Christ. This is, what, this is what Paul desired the church in Ephesus to know. This is what he prayed for them. This is what I've been praying for us as a church, that we would know the love of Christ. Chapter 5, verse 3. And he says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Listen again. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If our growth is stunted as a church, may it not be because we have forgotten the love of Christ. That's one of the reasons we take communion together on the first Sunday of every month, because communion helps us to remember the love of Christ. I'm going to introduce and prepare us for communion a little more here with some more words here in a moment, but for right now, let's pray. God, we desire to be built up and grow up together as one body in love, into Christ. We don't want our growth to be stunted. So help us to be a church that speaks the truth in love. Help us to be joined together in unity. Help us to equip one another. Help us to motivate one another that we might do the work that you've gifted us to do. And God, I pray that you would most of all help us to remember the love of Christ. Even now as we take communion together, help us to remember this. In Jesus' name, amen. So.